You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hi, my name's Sarah Temby and I'm an Education Fellow in the RCH Education Hub. Today we have Kate Carroll, who's a physiotherapist in the Royal Children's Hospital Neuromuscular Team, and she's been working in this area for more than 20 years. Today we'll be discussing Duchenne muscular dystrophy and focusing on what health professionals need to know. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Sarah. So, Kate, what is Duchenne muscular dystrophy? Well, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which I will call DMD, is a genetic condition that affects muscle and it causes progressive weakness and disability. And how exactly is DMD caused? DMD occurs when there's a mutation in a gene that's called the dystrophin gene. Now, I'm not a genetic expert, but the dystrophin gene is the largest known human gene. Just this one gene accounts for approximately 0.1% of the entire human genome. Oh, wow. And because it's so big, there are a lot of things that can go wrong with it. If the dystrophin gene has a mutation and won't work properly, it then doesn't produce the dystrophin protein. Mm. And dystrophin is an important protein for the structural integrity of muscle cells. Without dystrophin, muscle cells have a weakened sarcolemma or cell membrane and they're really susceptible to damage. The lack of dystrophin also causes a number of complex and abnormal processes, but essentially there is early degeneration and death of muscle cells and they have very limited capacity for regeneration. As time goes on, fibrotic and fatty tissue replace a number of the muscle cells and the muscles become very scarred. So as you can imagine, muscles that are full of scar tissue are weak and stiff and are therefore likely to tighten and develop contractures. And are all muscles affected equally? Uh, No, they're not actually. So whilst all muscle types, that's skeletal muscles, cardiac and smooth muscles are affected, early on it's the proximal muscles that are most affected. So you may notice that even young active children with DMD have very weak neck flexion and hip extension, for example. Mm. And then over time, more distal muscles become more involved and weaker as well. Uh, We find that muscles that cross two joints are particularly at risk of shortening and contracture with the gastrocnemius, that's part of the calf muscles, typically the first muscle to tighten up. Other muscles that tend to get tight then include the hamstrings, the hip flexors, TFL or tensor fasciolata and the long finger flexors. And this sort of weakness and tightness that we see is usually fairly symmetrical in DMD, so both sides of the body equally affected. Mm. And I've heard that DMD only affects boys. Am I right? Apart from very rare exceptions, that is correct. And the reason boys are affected is because the dystrophin gene sits on the X chromosome. Therefore, DMD is described as an X-linked condition. And because boys only have one X chromosome, they only have one copy of the dystrophin gene. So if this copy is faulty, then there is no backup working dystrophin gene and working protein is not produced. Boys usually inherit the dystrophin mutation from their mother. Because of this family inheritance, there might also be other family members who are affected, such as their brothers, cousins or uncles. And what are the clinical signs of DMD? So affected boys usually first present between the ages of about two and five years of age. And at that time, they typically have some delay in their motor milestones. You might notice they have apparent hypertrophy of their calf muscles. So that is the calf muscles look really well developed, but in fact, this is due to muscle damage. Yeah, right. They might be falling over frequently 
And if you ask them to get up off the floor, they will use what we call a Gower's manoeuvre. So this is when you see a child turn towards the floor, they put their two hands on the floor and then usually one or two hands on their legs to help themselves stand up. Mm. About 30% of affected boys will also have some level of cognitive impairment and often delayed speech is noted at the initial presentation. There's also an increased incidence of autism spectrum disorder symptoms in a number of these children and so occasionally this delays their DMD diagnosis mm, because everyone that. notices the other symptoms first. Yeah. So then the first test that a doctor will order when they suspect DMD is a creatine kinase or CK level. So this is a marker of muscle damage and because of the extensive muscle damage in DMD, this CK level is grossly elevated. Mm. Over time then, you'll notice that the weakness progresses and walking becomes more difficult. So left untreated, children usually lose the ability to walk between roughly 10 to 13 years of age, although obviously it varies a bit. And then there's also a progressive decline in lung function and a development of a cardiomyopathy. And are there any treatments for DMD? Well, the main treatment that's been shown to have some efficacy is the use of glucocorticoids such as prednisolone or deflazacort. Children typically start taking these medications when their motor skill development is noted to plateau, which is around about the age of four to six years. And long-term use of glucocorticoids is associated with being able to continue walking independently for approximately two years longer than would be otherwise predicted. That's great. Yeah. There are also um, other pharmaceutical treatments that are in development and in clinical trials, but they're not routinely available for use in Australia at this stage. DMD-related cardiomyopathy is something that can be treated early with medication and whilst non-invasive ventilatory support such as overnight CPAP or BiPAP, that's frequently used from the teenage years onwards to support respiratory function. Mm. Apart from that, physiotherapy and occupational therapy are really important. And what we're aiming to do with that is to optimise function in these children and young people. We're trying to maintain their muscle length, support safe exercise activity and participation help them manage fatigue and uh, to stay independently mobile for as long as possible. There are actually some published standard of care guidelines for DMD and it's been shown that those people with DMD who receive optimal care typically live into their 20s, 30s or 40s currently. Great. Well, thank you for all of that, Kate. And what would be your three key take-home messages? I think as health professionals, I think it's really important to firstly understand the progressive nature of DMD and that all children you see with this condition will get weaker over time. And secondly, I think if you understand the extensive muscle damage that's occurring in DMD, this will really help guide the way you work with children and young people who have this condition. And finally, I think keep in mind the early presentation of DMD. Mm. So if you see a young boy in your clinical setting who turns up with weakness, motor delay, large calves and a Goward sign and they don't have a diagnosis, it would be good to check that their doctor has investigated them for DMD. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Kate, for talking today about Duchenne muscular dystrophy and giving us a great overview of this disorder. In the coming weeks, we'll have another couple of episodes on DMD looking at physical activity and calf length management, which will be great. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for the opportunity. 
Thanks for listening. Please view the description section below for more information on this topic. The Education Hub is a collaboration between the Royal Children's Hospital and the University of Melbourne Department of Paediatrics and funded by the RCH Foundation.